You know I was supposed to have another date the night that we met. I ever tell you that? No. The woman that sold me the Chevelle, she set me up. Then I saw you, and I stood the other girl up. I wonder who she was. I never have. You've asked me a question before. What is it that I love about you now? So I'm going to start with the obvious. I love the mother that you are. I love that you are still the most beautiful woman in any room. And that you laugh with your entire face. I love that you dance funny and not sexy, which makes it even sexier. But most of all, I love that you are still the same woman who all those years ago ran out of a blind date because she simply had to sing. You're not just my great love story, Rebecca. You. You were my big break. Thank you. Thank you. And our love story, I know it may not feel like it right now, but baby. Hi. Hi. I promise you. It's just getting started. For those of you who love that TV show, I've got bad news. Or that's all the, that we're going to watch from This Is Us today. For those of you who don't like that show, I've got good news. That's all we're going to watch of that, that clip. Now, for some of you that really are into the, the romance and the, the drama of that show, we might need to pass you a tissue right now because maybe you're, uh, you're crying. And for some of us who wrote uh, Valentine's Day cards, maybe we think, oh, I wish I'd have watched that scene and been able to lean into Jack's eloquence as I wrote out my Valentine's Day card. Uh, I could have taken some tips personally from what he had to say. But, uh, you know, as we watch that, uh, that, that scene from this popular TV show, they really dealt with this issue of trust. Could she trust him? Could they trust that their future was going to be strong together? In many ways, that sets up what we're talking today about trust issues. Now, you might say, well, what's not to trust? Uh, Two people expressing their love for one another. Yes, there's a history, though. And there were also two people mentioned in that clip, if you caught it, that maybe had trust issues as a result of how that thing developed because there was the the woman that Jack stood up, okay? If, if you're stood up for a date, that might lead to some trust issues. Uh, the blind date that Rebecca walked out on, that probably would lead to some trust issues as well. Do you have trust issues when it comes to relationships? Now, some of you might be saying, well, what are trust issues? Well, I looked it up. In the Urban Dictionary, this is how it defines trust issues. When a person has trouble trusting others due to betrayal or uh, other personal reasons or just lacking in trust. This can be with anyone from relationships to friendships or just plain strangers. I suggest that, that trust and trust issues really begin with our relationship with God. 
And we're going to try to develop that today in our message and our time together. Now, if you still don't know if you have trust issues, I want to share with you five signs that I came across of trust issues in relationships and see if you can relate to these. The first sign is you predict how people will betray you without evidence of betrayal. Now, for someone who has a track record of misdeeds, a lack of trust is appropriate. However, some of us struggle with trusting individuals, even though they've never given us any sign that they are untrustworthy. A second sign of trust issues is you trust people too quickly. Now, this this sign and this uh, tendency might result in a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, You trust too quickly people you shouldn't trust, and then you're disappointed by them, and then that leads to an ongoing problem of you having trust issues with others. I think with that said, there's an important distinction between trust and forgiveness. And although forgiveness is something, even in the word we say forgiven, it's something given, trust is something that really takes time to develop. Trust is something that's earned, or at least a lack of trust is earned. A third sign is your relationships are shallow. This is a third sign of having trust issues, even if you're not shallow. Now, you may be a deep-thinking and deep-feeling person, but your relationships have been marred with trust issues in the past, and and that's led you to be shallow in relationships. You find yourself uh, not wanting to get too close to people. You're always protecting yourself because down deep you don't know if you can trust them. Four, genuine mistakes, if you have trust issues, genuine mistakes in the other are seen as awful breaches of trust. You see, we have to remember people are imperfect. We, now, we all know that. And yet, if you have trust issues, uh, you find yourself not able to tolerate the other person's imperfections. You see those human mistakes, and because of your prejudice, you think, I can't trust them. A fifth sign of trust issues is you feel lonely, isolated. You feel at times like an outcast, maybe even possibly living in despair because you just have struggle. You have trouble trusting people enough to share your true self, your true inner being. And so because of that, your relationships stay real shallow. You don't really let the person know what's really going on. And as a result, you're not known, you feel lonely, you feel like you don't belong. Can you relate to any of those? If you do, maybe you have trust issues. If so, then we want to take to heart some important lessons that we can learn from an individual that the Bible actually has a lot to say about this individual. And yet this Bible, this person in the Bible lived a long time ago. He lived 2,000 years before Jesus even walked on the earth. So he lived about 4,000 years ago. His name is Abraham. Or as we're first introduced to him, his name is Abram. We're first introduced to this character of faith in Genesis 11. And yet at that time, his faith was just beginning to form. And as soon as we're introduced to Abram, we find out that he and his wife have a problem. 
Let's read about that. In Genesis 11, verse 29, it says, The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. I had a professor in seminary that said the Abraham story starts in Genesis 11, even though most people start in Genesis 12. Because the Genesis 11 listing tells us there's a problem. You see, after this long list of genealogies of this person having this child, this person having this child, then you get to Abram and Sarai, and they're unable to have children. And it's in the midst of that life disappointment that we'll see that God intervenes in their lives in a powerful way. And in fact, as we keep reading in Genesis 12, we learn that in the midst of that disappointment and heartache, trust is established if you're taking notes. By the way, some people might wonder, why do we have fill in the blank? Okay, there's a couple reasons. One is because I want to make sure that that you're processing this. Maybe if you write down a few things, maybe that'll help you process. If you don't want to, that's okay. But for those, some people, if they use more of their senses, they get engaged, they get involved. Another reason, just to be quite honest, is I want to keep you active, so keep you awake, okay? So, but, but let's keep reading here. Trust established. Let's read about that in Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Here we find this guy, Abram, or Abraham, as we normally call him. He was born in the Ur of Chaldees. Now, you might not know where Ur was. The Chaldean Empire later became known as the Babylonian Empire. Does anybody know what the Babylonian Empire is called, that region of the world is called today? It's called Iraq. Abraham was born in Iraq. I just find that fascinating. And here he's called by God to, to leave this area that today is called Iraq and travel to the promised land. Now, Abram ends up being a timeless example of faith and trust as he listens to God. God gives him a specific instruction. He says, go. And I love verse 4. It says, so Abraham, Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated, and they set out for for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. We see here, Abram trusts God and puts his faith into action. He goes. In Genesis 11, he leaves Ur, which is the Chaldean Empire, that area today called Iraq. They go to Haran, uh, where his father dies. 
And then we pick up the story in Genesis 12. They leave that and they go on to the promised land. Here we see that trust is established that Abraham believes this promise. Now think about this. This is fascinating that God says, your offspring, I will give this land. Abram doesn't have a child. He's 75 years old. And yet God says, I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to give it to your, your family. Now we see here what I think is so important for us to visit because you see, when we deal with trust issues between people, sometimes we forget that our trust needs to be first anchored in God. And I believe that why a lot of people struggle with trusting other people is because down deep they don't have a base, a foundation of trusting God and trusting that God will be at work in relationships. Now, in just a few verses, we're going to learn that trust is tested. In Genesis 12, verse 10, it says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them that you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Now, this is a loaded paragraph. And let's just make some observations. First of all, the stage is set for Abram and Sarah to have their trust in God tested. They're getting older. They still don't have a child. They've left their homeland. And by the way, my understanding from research is that Ur was a, a civilized area where they even had running water. They leave that civilized uh, living and they live the rest of their lives as nomads traveling, probably living in tents. Here they pick up again because of the famine they, they can't find food, so they go down to Egypt where they find food in the midst of this famine. You see, it's in the challenges of life where we begin to learn what trust is all about. You see, it's in those challenges that sometimes we, we begin to fear that God has abandoned us, that he won't be there with us in that difficult time. And if we're not careful, it's in those times of testing that we can begin to take things into our own hands. And it's typically in those situations that we make things worse. And in the process, if we're not careful, we end up blaming God for the mess that we made and we lose confidence in God. So those are some observations. A second observation that's Probably not as a deep a thought, but Sarai must have been beautiful. Even though she's 65 years old, which, you know, she lived to be 127, so that's midlife. Maybe for our lifespan, a, a parallel would be uh, in her 40s, okay? And, and, and yet Abraham's concerned that the king of Egypt named Pharaoh will, will kill him take Sarai into his harem. Now, I want to be careful on this point because this is a landmine here for me. 
And I got to be careful how I word this. Because my bride of 35 years is somewhere in her 40s or 50s. Okay, I'll just leave it vague, all right? And, and I find her just as beautiful as the day I met her. How's that for following Jack's example from This Is Us? And yet, I do have to wonder when I read this text, I mean, Sarai's getting a little bit older. I mean, she must have been a looker, right? I mean, because she's so beautiful, even at this point in her life, that, that Abram says, I'm in jeopardy here because you're so pretty. Let's keep reading in verse 14. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Now, how do you think Abram's action here was received by Sarai? She willingly does what he asked her to do. But I have to think that her trust in Abraham as her husband and as her spiritual leader. See, he's the one that received the call from God. At least it was tested here, right? Because when you break down what Abraham is asking her to do, what is Abraham communicating to her? He's saying down deep, I care more about my welfare than I do about yours. I want to, keep, I want to save my own skin here. And so I want you to say that you're my sister. So I'll be okay. Now with that in mind, let's, let's talk about an elephant in the room as we tackle this subject of trust issues. You see, when it comes to dating, when it comes to marriage or family relationships, oftentimes at the heart of a, a strained or broken relationship is that our trust has been lost or, or possibly we feel like our trust has been betrayed by the other person. Now, I don't want to minimize the hurt and the pain that you've had if you've had trust betrayed in your life from someone that you had previously trusted, because I know that's a painful thing to endure. And yet I think we have to be careful that once we've had trust betrayed, once we've been hurt, that we don't set up unrealistic expectations going forward, and that we expect that person then to be perfect from now on, because the truth of it is they're not going to be perfect. And if we set the bar at perfection for trust to be restored, then we'll go through life with trust issues. I think a better, better bar to set is faithful, reliable that we can rely on this person. Now, on another, I think, subject that we got to, to address here, because Abraham, Abram was not only Sarai's husband, but also her spiritual leader. We read today in the news often, unfortunately, of spiritual leaders who do despicable, immoral things. And as a result, often people within churches lose their confidence 
in that spiritual leader. But what also happens oftentimes is not only do they lose confidence in that spiritual leader, they lose confidence in God. I've seen this happen numerous times in my life where someone put a spiritual leader on a pedestal and they really, it really was unfair. They had this expectation that this person was just, you know, perfect. And then later they saw that person behave or act or interact or react in a way that you think, well, that's not what I think a Christian should do. And then you end up losing hope and losing confidence, not only in that person, but if you're not careful, your faith in God can be rocked as well. We need to be careful that we don't set people up on those pedestals. Now, here's the truth. It's, it's important that we don't put those unfair unrealistic expectations on church leaders. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe church leaders should be called to high standards. I'm not questioning that. But also, as as one that's trying my best to be a godly example, I'm trying my best to live out what I preach and teach on the weekends. I also recognize and know very personally and painfully that I fall short of even my own expectations on myself sometimes. And so I try to repeatedly remind you, don't put your faith or trust in me or any spiritual leader. Instead, put your faith and trust in a holy, perfect God who will not let you down. That's where we've got to put our faith and trust. That's important for me to share with my wife, with my kids. It's important for me to share that with my church family. Let's be a people that understand others will be flawed, but God is one we can always trust. As we keep reading, we find that trust is not only tested in strength, but eventually trust is broken. We see this happen as we fast forward 10 years later, as now Abram and Sarai, uh, the famine has been over. They've left Egypt. They've gone back to Canaan, which is the promised land. And yet, even though they're in the promised land, they still haven't seen God's promise be fulfilled in their life. They still don't yet have a child. And we'll see it's in this moment that the trust is first broken with God. And then it leads to further problems in their marriages and even relationships in general. Let's, let's keep reading in Genesis 16. Time has passed, 10 years later. So Sarah says to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Now let's just wait a minute. God's at work. God has a plan. But instead of her saying, I trust that God will eventually fulfill his promise, now she's shifted to blaming God. It's God's fault. Let's keep reading. This is her plan. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Now think about what just happened. 
Now, as abhorrent as Sarai's proposal might seem to us, we have to acknowledge in that time period, it was a common practice. If someone couldn't have a child, they would have a child through a surrogate mother. In fact, if you read the text here, we see that it was even a legal practice back in that day. You'll notice that it says Abram took Hagar, the the Egyptian servant, maybe they took her on as a servant when they were down in Egypt. They took her, he took her as his wife. Now I think as we reflect on that, this is a good reminder that just because something's a common practice in our culture, or just because something is even legal, doesn't mean that it's right. The one thing I notice in this text also I'm just saying, it doesn't seem like Abram puts up much of a fight. His plan, I think about that, okay? But anyways, well, at first glance, Sarai's plan appears to work because Hagar, the servant, becomes pregnant with, with Abram's son. And yet, in all reality, in reality, all kind of trust begins to break down because of this tryst. Now, Hagar resents Sarah that she is pregnant. So she says, well, how did I get in this condition? And Sarai is jealous that Hagar is going to have Abram's baby instead of her. So what appears to be a, a fairly healthy, normal relationship becomes very toxic because trust has been broken. What a mess. Now, maybe you can relate to being in a mess in relationship. Maybe you or someone else took things in their own hand and trust was betrayed. There's been hurt. There's been heartache. There's been all kinds of of tension in the relationship. And and you, you think, wow, this is a mess. What I'm suggesting today is that oftentimes that goes back to trust issues. And oftentimes it goes back to rooted in a very basic trust in God that God can be at work even in the mess. Well, let's keep reading as we find the very first angelic appearance recorded in the Bible. And it's interesting, the very first time we hear of an angel in Scripture, this angel appears to Hagar. God breaks through to this troubled soul who's been kicked out of the the, the home kicked out, and she's out on her own, feeling hurt, betrayed. And listen how God breaks through in Genesis 16, verse 11. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant, and I will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress, This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. I find it interesting that this, at this moment where this woman is in great stress and duress and heartache, the way that the angel describes God to her is that God is a God that hears. I think that's important for us to know. 
If you've been going through a a tough time recently, maybe you've had difficulty in relationships, maybe you've been disheartened, maybe you've given up on a relationship, I just want to remind you, God hears, God knows. And I believe that God will be at work if you'll just trust him and look for ways that he might even be at work in the mess that you find yourself in here. But the key is that we keep trusting in God in that mess and that we don't try to take things in our own hands like Abram and Sarah did. Now, Ishmael is going to be the son of Hagar. Does anyone know who Ishmael is the ancestor of? Does anyone know? He's the ancestor of the Arab people. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to read how that God's promise was fulfilled to Abram and Sarah, and they have this promised son named Isaac. Do you know who Isaac is the ancestor of? The Jewish people. So in this one example recorded in Scripture that took place 4,000 years ago, we find the beginning of the Arab-Jewish conflict. And it still exists today. Why? Because Abram and Sarah didn't trust God. They tried to take things into their own hands. Honestly, because of knowing that history, Whenever I hear a politician say, I've got the solution for the Middle East, I think, no, you don't. Because this problem's been going on for 4,000 years, and it's rooted in this broken relationship and because of this broken trust. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't still be at work in the mess, because God delights in doing that. I also think it's important for us to realize that that most people in our world, regardless of their object of faith, will trace their faith back to Abraham. This is true of the Jewish people who worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's true of the Muslim people who trace their lineage back to Ishmael. And it's true of Christians who believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah who came through the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you ever find yourself at a loss of knowing how to strike up a conversation or, or share your faith with someone that's from a Jewish background or a Muslim background, I would suggest start with Abraham. That would be a great place to begin to find maybe something that you have in common to build on. Now, one of the reasons why we're looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this series, This Is Us, where we look at relationships, because we want to remind everyone that this is our story as Christians, too. You see, this is us, too. Kind of a double play on words here. As we read these stories of faith and how these great heroes of faith began learn to trust God and, and learn to have healthy relationships with others. Well, let's fast forward now 13 years later. As we see, eventually, Abram and Sarai will have trust restored. And by the way, I think it's important for us to notice that time has elapsed. 25 years since Abram first received the promise from God that he would have a son. Now, sometimes we want the strong faith of the old Abraham. We want the confident trust in God that Abraham will later display. 
And yet we don't realize that that kind of trust was developed through a series of challenges, hardships, and even heartache. You see, we want the faith of Abraham and Sarah without going through the long journey. We want the purity of Joseph in the Bible without going through the time of isolation and temptation. We want the humility of Moses without going through the desert years. We want the prayer life of Daniel and his friends without experiencing the furnace and the lion's den. We want the boldness of Peter without going through the failure of denial and disappointments. We want the effectiveness of the Apostle Paul without facing the persecution that he experienced. You see, it's in the challenges and hardships of life that our faith in God can be tested And our faith and trust in him can be developed to where we trust that God will be at work no matter what mess we might find ourselves in. And see, it appears to me that God delights in transformed lives of people who've been refined by the fire. Now, as time passes, Abraham, which means exalted father, becomes Abraham, which means father of many. Sarai, which means princess, becomes Sarah, which is, can be translated noble woman. And as we pick up the reading in Genesis 18, we read the following another angelic visit to a very old Abraham and very old Sarah, that they're told once again at the age of 190 that they're going to have a son. Sarah overhears this promise to Abraham, and she laughs. And listen to how the Lord responds in Genesis 18, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I love that. You might want to underline that in your message notes or in your Bible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. Boy, that's so human, isn't it? She got caught. I didn't laugh. But the Lord answered, no, you did laugh. Sounds like a parent. I love this question from the Lord, though. Is anything too hard for him? Maybe as we've been going through this message, you've thought about a broken relationship in your life. Maybe a relationship that you've given up on. I want to ask you, is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe you're married and you're thinking, it's just not, this marriage is just not going to work. I want to ask you, is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, I believe God delights in working in that which seems impossible to bring about that which will bring honor and glory to him. Now, maybe you're struggling to believe that God can heal a broken relationship or that God can bring healing into your life. Maybe what you need is somebody else that you can grab onto their faith. You know, I've, I've sat down with couples that are on, on the verge of divorce in my office and, and they'll just say, you know, it's not gonna work. And I'll say, listen, I believe that nothing's too hard for God. And can you, can you even if you don't have faith to trust that God can bring healing, can you cling to my faith? that I believe God can show up even in this mess. As we keep reading on Genesis, we find Abraham and Sarah at an old age, they do have the son that they were promised. You see, God is a trustworthy God. 
and all of his promises come true. In Genesis 21, we read, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. I like that. It's not because she deserved it. She struggled along the way, but the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he'd promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. So here we see the name Isaac, which means laughter, because God gets the last laugh. I love the story of Abraham because it's a story of struggling with faith. It's a story of struggling. Can I really trust a God that makes promises to me? You see, it's our story. I don't know where you're at on that journey of trust and faith, but are you willing to cling to a God and build your life on a relationship with him that you can truly trust? And then in turn, are you willing to trust that he can help heal other relationships in your life? One of the challenges of telling the story of Abraham in one message is there's a lot. I hope I've done justice. There's a lot I skipped. But there's one part I wanted to revisit before we take communion. It's a story that's embedded in Abraham's story in the midst of a difficult time when he had to go to battle to defend Lot, his nephew. And it's in that time where maybe he was ready to give up hope. Maybe he was tempted to think it's not going to work out after all. That this mysterious figure arrives on the scene. The Bible describes his name as Melchizedek. In Genesis 14, this is how it reads, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham. This is a mysterious figure in in Scripture, and yet I believe this Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. Salem means peace. He was the king of peace. Does that sound like anybody else you might know? I think he's the Christ figure in Abram's life. And I think it was at that moment that Abraham needed to know, I'm with you. God's speaking into Abram's life, I'm with you. One of the reasons why I love having communion every weekend It's a time, regardless of what's going on in our life, whether it's been good or whether it's been bad, as we, by the way, did you notice what what Melchizedek brought? He brought bread and wine, a meal to remind Abraham of God's presence. As we take the bread, as we take the wine or juice, we're reminded of the one who promised he would be with us when we observe this time. Jesus, our Savior, who came from God the Father from heaven and came to earth, he is someone we can always trust. If you want proof, look to the cross. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you're a trustworthy God. Thank you for your promises to Abraham and how you fulfilled them. Remind us that you will fulfill your promises to us. Help us build our trust, not on our past performance, not on other people, but upon you. 
Help us during this time of communion to be reminded of the one we can trust. It's in your son, our Lord's name we pray. Amen.